You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jem. All right, everybody, welcome back to our little podcast. Hey, Phil, are you back? Hey, I'm here. What's up? I'm here. We're going to do another podcast today, Phil. I'm excited. It's been a, it's been a minute since you and I have done a podcast, although we are regularly dropping podcasts. Dropping them. People don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff. We, we do this once a month or something like that. And so we got some stuff to talk about. We have new, we have new things to talk about here on our little podcast. I have a, a forthcoming collection of personal essays, which I've been working on for the past, I don't know, two or three years. And that's been my exciting little side project. And then um, we're getting ready to tour it. But before we tour, it is, uh, we're doing stage reading. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's more performance-based. It's a little more live, a little more energetic than just watching me read. It's, it's going to be a little more than that. I mm-hmm. thought it might be helpful for people to hear because even for me, you know, I'm a, obviously I'm a TV writer. I've been doing it for a long time. This is new to me. This whole book thing is very new to me. I think we have this idea that it's easy for everybody else and hard for us. And I, yeah, it's not. It's it's just as difficult. It's just as trying to dig into your deep emotional problems and your past mm-hmm. pain and put it out there for the world and be vulnerable. We've talked about that plenty of times on this podcast. I should start really at the beginning since a lot of people are taking a long drive. Uh, you know, I remember when Facebook came out years maybe it was 2008 or something like that when i first learned about it and i remember thinking oh this is going to be interesting everyone's going to be posting like it's going to be like reading people's diary entries it's going to they're going to be sharing all this intimate stuff they're going to write some stuff you're going to learn about you've never heard about and it's all going to be about your friends and it's going to bring us closer together (laughs) this is how this is why you should i should never give anybody tech advice because i don't even know i'm like that's that's exactly what it not it is not facebook you know um and so uh, obviously what it really is, is people posting, you know, cat memes and what they ate for dinner and, and w- what their vacation was and, um, you know, all the kind of stuff to make you feel bad. and <laughs> Show, Showing off, right? Faking yeah. a life that they may not have. Yeah. Humble bragging and uh, people using the word humble. I'm humbled to receive this honor. It's like, you're, no, you're not. You're bragging. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. telling me. <laughs> um, so I, I, but I remember early on, after like I was disappointed that that's not what people were doing. People were just sharing what they ate for dinner. Um, I, at one point, it was my I think it was my daughter's graduation from high school, and I kind of I was so uh, like wrecked by how by how sad it made me whole, made me feel. And I wrote a short little piece. It was only a few paragraphs, but describing what that evening was for me going to watch her graduate. And it was just like ah, oh, it was just it just killed me because you know your baby's moving on and. And that's that. And like it's just over and it's all just sad. <laughs> and I remember afterwards, I was with, my, with Cynthia, my wife, and we were honestly, after it was over, we were just hugging each other and just crying in each other's arms. And then when we look up, I don't know, five or 10 minutes later, whatever it was, like <laughs> everyone was gone. <laughs> and then we had to go find our daughter in the lobby. And it was just so awful. And I kind of wrote about that. And then like people, friends of mine were like, oh my God. Like one, I remember one person in particular was like, Thank you for sharing this. I was going to get off Facebook. I was so sick of Facebook, but I read what you wrote and thank you for sharing that. And then I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, like, I didn't, like I, you know, it was nice that I, I touched one of my friends that way. And then I'd always been a fan of David Sedaris. And if you don't know who he is, go read him. Stop the podcast and read him right now. Uh, don't stop the podcast. Don't stop the podcast. I'm po- going to you not to do that. Do not stop the podcast, everyone. Don't you but dare. Don't, but you're probably driving. Don't read while driving. But when you're mm-hmm. done listening to this podcast, go check out. Then you can do it. 
I'm only being facetious. So, but anyway, he writes what what I you know this the, uh, a category of creative nonfiction called personal essays, which is like it's not so much a memoir, uh, at least that's not how I see it. It's basically a story with him as the hero of the story, and that's at least that's how I. And I was like, I was inspired. I was like, I want to do that. Why I, if he why can't why is he get the only one who gets to do that? Because he tours the country and just and I just and he all he does is write. And I'm like, damn, that sounds nice. Not to get interference and network notes and all that crap. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try that. Um, and then I read, I, I bought one of his books. I I listened to many of his uh, uh, like audio books, but I, I went out and I bought one of his books. I was like, all right, let's just see how we how this is done. So because I, I knew I could do it, right? And I was reading this first book, this first uh, story in the book, and after I finished it, like I'm reading, I'm like, wait, where's he going with this? What's he doing? What is happening here? And I got to the last page of it, and I was like, oh my god! And I I almost threw the book across the room. I was like, holy crap! Like it was so good. And it was not what I remembered it to be. It was so much better than what I remembered it to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was almost mad at how, I was like, ah, oh, crap, this is going to be a lot harder But I already than I thought it was going to be. And I already extended myself to say I was going to do this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because I, I told Cynthia during, on one of our walks, I was like, yeah, I, I want to write this book. I don't know what's going to happen with it. It's going to take me a couple of years. I don't know. Like in that time, I could probably sell like three TV pilots and make way more money than, than this book. But I just wanted to do it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she was like, yes, you have to do it. And I'm like, but why? You know, I'm already arguing with her. But why? Why do I have to do it? Even when it was my idea. Uh, so I started writing. I started studying his work. I started reading everything he had. Uh, I Literally three or four times. And then I started writing my own version. When I was finally ready, it's like, okay, I'm going to write one of my own stories. And then I was, I'm a pretty good mimic. And so I was writing the stories the way I thought he was going to, the way he writes. Because I could hear his voice in my head. I could, you know, and I was certain after studying them, I was like, this is how you do it. This is how mm-hmm. he writes. I'll just write like him. And I wrote a couple of stories. It took me a few weeks. And I was like, okay, this is good. And I, I set it aside. And I looked at it with fresh eyes a couple of weeks later. And I was so disappointed. I was, it was, I was like, this is terrible. This is boring. It doesn't even sound like me. It's just let, terrible. Let me just, let me just interject here too. For everyone listening, does that not feel very familiar to all of us who write like that? Does it? You, what, what the, this is terrible part? Yeah. What did I just do here? Why did I just waste my time? And, what? and, and it's not that for me, it's, you know, a desire to be as amazing and, and great as I can be and recognizing I am not there and trying right. to forge and trudge, you know, a yard at a time, cutting through the thick jungle of creativity to get to that place, learning at each step. But man, the grind's hard sometimes. And I think that realization can set you back, but if you can push through it, it can truly something good can come out of that. Yeah, well, you have to. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I was just, I really was so disappointed with myself. Uh, and then that, that's another thing I want to mention is like, you know, people say, you, you know, you have to, as a writer, you have to have your, you have to find your voice. But the thing is when you're writing TV, like you're not supposed to have your voice. You're supposed to have the voice of the show. You know, mm-hmm. you're in the voice of the characters, and that's usually determined by the showrunner. And yes, sometimes my partner will create shows, which we do that in tandem. But even still, you're getting notes from people. You know, it's 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 very collaborative. TV is collaborative. You're, it's really never entirely your voice, you're, and especially if you're trying to get, like I said, especially if you're trying to get a new sh- uh, an existing show. Your job is not to have a voice. Your job is to get the voice that already exists. And so mm-hmm. here I am, 
trying to find my voice after 26 years of not finding, not mm-hmm. having a voice, intentionally not having a voice. So that was freaking weird. Uh, so I, I pushed through that. I mean, I, I, that didn't bother me too much. You know, I, I was able to push through that, but, but still I had to learn how to do this whole um, kind of different genre uh, of writing. And even though I, I talk, we talk about it all the time, like, if you know story structure, you can write a play, a novel, a screenplay, a teleplay, whatever, a menu, whatever you write, you could do all that. So I knew I could rely on my te- what I've learned and how, what I knew how to do, but I still, it's like, it was like painting, it's like painting a picture, but with a different size brush, you know? I've never mm. used this size brush before, so how, you know, then you have to like, okay, well, think about that. So, you know, because mostly what I do is, is writing dialogue. When you're writing TV or movies, you're writing, it's like 95% dialogue, you know? But when you're writing uh, uh, like something, a personal essay, it doesn't have, you can write a lot of prose. You don't have to have dialogue at all. You don't, you know, you can have just, you know, we're just watching from the third point, third person, you know, or, or first person in my case. But, um, so that was getting a weird, a lot of getting used to. Uh, and then I just, I guess I just kept on pushing forward and just writing story after story. Um, and, and to be honest, and I, I think I've talked to you about this before. I had this giant insecurity, which I still kind of have which is I didn't want this piece to feel like, or this collection to feel like it was written by a sitcom writer because I've read, mm-hmm. I've read some that were written by sitcom writers. And I, I it was like, it always was like, I'm not, and I think most people would watch it, would read it and say, hey, this is fine. But like, as a sitcom writer, I, I can, I look at it and I go, no, 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 no. I, I, I can, you can see, see the, the fingerprints. Yeah, yeah. Just sitting in there. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. A lot of those fingerprints were like, oh, that's a note. That's a note that we would have gotten from the network. That's a note. That's a studio note. Like I could see it in the reading of it. And it just didn't feel, it didn't feel, it just felt like, I guess, and I don't want to crap on sitcoms, but it felt like it was written by a sitcom writer. And I just didn't want that. And then I got into this long tailspin, seriously, a long tailspin uh, about what art was. Because I wanted to do something closer to art. And I was like, well, what is art? I don't even know what that means. And I started talking to my daughter who's in art school. What is art? Will you tell me what the teachers tell you? Mm. What do they what do they sell, tell you art is? Because I want to try doing that, you know? And I still not sure what I know what it is. Um But that I, that's so different than what we typically talk about too. And and what you're what I'm hearing you get at is in the world of television and, and the way that my paradigm has been shifted due to my relationship with you and being in the rooms and having this podcast and having these dialogue back and forth with you is that, you know, the job of a writer as a professional is commerce. It is craft. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. putting up not just a cabinet, but the best cabinet with the most artisanal style that someone is willing to pay way more Mm -hmm. than they would for just a standard cabinet and art on the other side is a cabinet that might have some things, a commercial a commercial builder would never put in a building. Right. 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 In a standard home. It's, it's something that has unique expression and, and differs. And that's something completely different than I think what we usually talk about on the podcast. Yeah. That's right. Cool. And I'm always telling people it's all about learning your craft. Cause I consider myself a craftsman. Like this is my craft. And so if, the, if someone wants to buy a screen, a story from me and they want whatever the leads to be two women instead of two men. Okay. You're, that's what you're paying me to do. You know? Mm-hmm. So, that's what I got to do. Um, but for this, like I, like I said, I wanted to be art. I, no one's paying me. I'm doing what I want to do. And it felt like 
honestly, and I'm not complaining about my job because my job has been it's been great. My career has been you know has been very satisfying and, and rewarding. But you're still basically a racehorse running a circle, running in a lap, running in circles, and you have a jockey on your back hitting you to go faster mm-hmm. or go in, you know now sprint harder now slow you know whatever. And someone's slapping you on the back, and you're like, okay, I'm getting money to get slapped on the back. I'm fine with that. But uh, but then suddenly it was like, okay, now I'm. I'm that horse set out in the field and there's no jockey. How fast can I run? And where, where mm-hmm. will I run? And it was a little, it was very, uh, it was overwhelming. It was at first, it was like, this is, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do here. Uh, but then once I got the hang, then once I learned and that story started coming to me, uh, then it was like, man, I'm flying now. Look what I can do without having someone hit me on the back all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it was very freeing. But then came the next step, which was equally paralyzing, which was, well, was, well, well a couple things. There's, there's, and I'm, I hope this is helpful because I'm just sharing kind of my insecurities, which I think all of you, I hope, I think are going to walk through at some point. I hope, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, By the way, I think that a lot of the feedback I get from people who message me on social media from the podcast are, I never thought I would get so much introspection out of a podcast about screenwriting. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's it's just the nature of us. And we've talked about it. Like this is, I think, part of the reason why beyond, you know, the mentorship you've been giving me, I consider Mm -hmm. you a close friend because you think about these things the way you do personal development and growth Mm -hmm. and looking past just the structures that society's put on us to say, who am I and what do I want to be and how do I become that and grow and develop? Yeah, right. So the next next giant thing that was going through me, my mind was – like, first of all, when you write these personal essays, I, I'm, I'm not a person of note. I'm not a world leader. I'm not a famous sports star, a famous actor. So I'm just a TV writer. I'm just a guy who makes a living writing TV. So what's so good about my, like, who cares about my story? Like, who cares about me and my art, you know, my, my life? And so I wanted to make sure, like, I wasn't talking about you know, like if you were reading, like, say, Obama's autobiography, which I haven't read or whatever, but I didn't want it to seem like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, an interview with this third grade teacher or look at all the amazing things. Like, I didn't want it to be like, this is the path, you know, I, I felt like that would be no one cares about me. So it was very important for me to figure out how can I tell these stories in a way so that the details are mine, but the stories are yours and the readers and the audience, the stories are yours, right? Because no one cares about me, they care about themselves. So it was really about, yeah, how do I, how can I be, the story, the details are mine, but the stories are yours. And so that was always on my mind. That and art, how do, what is, what is art? I'm still not sure, entirely sure what it is. Uh, I have some ideas, but I'm not entirely clear. And, um, and then finally, I wanted, well, this is an, this is an interesting note. I, when I was on Just Shoot Me, this is my first sta- job, my first staff job. And I remember my partner were pitching stories to Steve Levitan, uh, you know, b- stories that we wanted to tell. And he would say, these are too big. These are too small, think smaller. And I remember like, what do you, what does that mean? I didn't even, I was 26, so I didn't know what that meant. <clears throat> and so now it's kind of obvious, like a big story is, I don't know, something amazing happens, something large, something life-changing. <clears throat> someone gets famous, someone, uh, I don't know, jumps out of an airplane or, or something, just something. But a small story is just more personal. And it's just like, so my goal in writing these in this collection was 
how small can I write, how small can each story be? How mm -hmm. small can I make it? And I think that's what's so, that's when the good stuff comes out. So it's not like, you know, it, it's not like I, these, my life, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't fight in a war. I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, lose a limb or anything. I didn't do anything, you know, I, I thank thank God I didn't have to do any of that. So the, the little stories are from like, oh, just what, just a small story from when I was a child or like the first time I did this or a, a girl that I dated for, you know, three weeks. Like, what was that? And, or, you know, just like little tiny. So each story was like, well, how small can I make this? So you're not, so I'm not telling my life story like I'm, like I'm, it's my autobiography or a memoir. It's like, okay, here's a little story. I just happen to be the hero of it. Mm -hmm. And what I think the advantages are for people who are considering writing is that there's a huge advantage to this is that like when you're writing a, a, a screenplay or a novel or anything, you have to do three things. You have to create characters and then you have to create a story for those characters. And then you have to figure out how to unpack that story in a way that's engaging for the audience. And like, those are three giant tasks. Like that's a lot to ask anybody, even like even me when I'm working on a pilot, I'm like, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of thinking I have to do. But in, when you start off by writing a personal essay, that's why I encourage people to do that, you're taking two of the biggest things off the, two of the biggest obstacles away. You're removing, you don't have to think who the characters, the characters are. The character's you, so, right, that's mm -hmm. easy. You don't have to think about what the story is. The story already happened to you, mm -hmm. you know? You just have to th concentrate on the third thing, which is how to unpack that story. And that's story structure. That's what we talk about all the time in the course. That's, I mean, that, and that's plenty to worry about. That's plenty to worry mm -hmm. about. So why not make it a little easier on yourself and start with start by writing, and that's actually you know one of the the modules in the course is like hey yeah mining your life for stories you know yeah and on that note like you know I've had friends go through that course when we first built it you know I had a couple of friends I went to film school with and we put them through the course just to find all of the mistakes and find what where the bugs were from a development mm -hmm. perspective and uh, one of my former roommates. Uh, a guy named Fred Trujillo, he read, he really resonated with that and the, uh, the writing personal essays module that you put. He said that to this day, I just talked to him a couple weeks ago, he's still doing that. He's still doing personal essays as a form of self-expression mm -hmm. and getting in touch with what his story is, what's true to him. And, you know, it's a, it's a very powerful thing. For me, like we've talked about finding your voice is a hard thing. And there's that cliche uh, saying that people always say in the writing world, write what you know. For mm -hmm. a long time, I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. What does it mean to write what you know? And so, okay, I worked at a deli for several years. Do I set it in a deli? Sure, that could be it. But maybe it also means like, what did it feel like when you had your heart broken by your first girlfriend? Mm -hmm. Right. What did it feel like when you had your heart broken by your third girlfriend? What did it feel <laughs> like when you had your heart broken by your fifth girlfriend? Right. What did it right. feel like when you met your wife? Right. Right. And for some people, what did it feel like when your wife cheated on you? Like there's that individual that you know, like you're talking about that smaller level. That is what we relate to as human beings. And, right. you know, I talk about the Sundance process where they talk about looking at you and how you reacted or interacted in a personal situation and infusing that into your characters, even your lesser characters, mm -hmm. that detail that is so specific to you is what people will connect with. Yeah. And that's effectively what you're telling people to and encouraging them to do in those modules. And it sounds yeah. like that's what you're doing yourself here with the essays. Uh, yeah, that was, and that was, oh yeah, that's the intent is, is uh, to be honest, the, the goal from, 
the goal, my bar that I was trying to set was, well, you know, I know I can make people laugh when I write scripts that whatever that we shoot on TV and people watch. I know they laugh because, you know, I just know they do, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. the, that's the job. And you see, you can see it. You go, you, you go to a tape night and people are laughing or, you know, people talk about their show that they see, and, you know, they're laughing. But my goal for here is could I write a story? Could I put words on a page that would make people laugh out loud, like on a train? If they're reading it alone on a train and then they start laughing, or can you make them cry at the end? Like to me, that's a really high bar to be able, because, you know, it's one thing to be in public and you're in a group setting, you're laughing with friends. That's, that's, that's one thing. But to, when you're lost in a, in a page and you're supposed to be mm -hmm. quiet and to break that, the silence that you have when you're reading your story, to your story yourself, you know, when you're reading a, a, a story in your head, to break that silence with a laughter out loud or to cry out loud, like that mm -hmm. seems like, man, that, that's like a magic trick. Like, can I do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. always been, that's, it's been the goal from every single one I've been, every single one of these stories. And then, just to, just to show you how I can further unravel uh, my, you know, my own insecurities. So I, write a, I wrote a couple stories. I have 21 in total. It took about, it took well over, well over two years to finish all these. Uh, I've, and, but after you write the first one or even the first two, it was like, okay, I, I made like the first, I made some, I, I knew, I gave it to my wife to read. Right, uh, I give her a first draft of one of these stories, like one of the early ones. And if in the next room, I could hear her; she's laughing. I can hear her laughing out loud, and I'm kind of pacing in the next room, kind of listening mm -hmm. to her. And then, and then she goes quiet. And then from the distance, I hear her just start crying. Right, mm. and I was like, I did it! I did it! I walked <laughs> in. I was like, What do you think? You know? And she's like, I, She goes, I just loved it. I loved it. And yeah. so I was super proud about that. I was like, Good! I know how to do this now. But then the next thing was, okay, how do I write another one? Like, how do I write another one? And if I do it again, if I do it the same thing where like I get her to laugh and then quiet and then get her to cry, I can't keep doing that every time. It'll feel manipulative. It'll feel phony. I can't just copy the formula. I can't just do that again, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, what do I do? What, like, what do I do? I just wrote, I just did what I wanted and now what do I do? And so then my next story is like, all right, well, I'm not going to go for this idea of that you have to make somebody cry at the end. I can get to a different ending, which might be moving, but maybe doesn't get you down to that level. You know, it's not a punch to the heart, but maybe it just leaves you with a thought or a feeling, an emotion at the end. And then, and I did that. And I gave her the piece and she read it. And for the next room, I hear her laughing. She goes quiet. And then no crying. Right? And then I, I go in, I go, what do you think? She goes, oh, I loved it. I go, yeah, but you weren't crying. And even though I wasn't trying to get her to cry, even though I knew that wasn't the point, mm -hmm. I still felt like, like I'd failed in some way because you can't mm -hmm. copy it. You can't do it again. And so that was something I had to really work through. It was like being happy with a kind of different kind of feeling at the end. So I wasn't just repeating because you can't just do it over and over again. You got to make it different. And if everything feels deep and profound, then nothing's deep and profound, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was something I totally struggled with on almost every story. And then I was also struggling with, you know, I always felt like I was gonna, this is something I feel all the way, all the time when you're writing on a TV show. You always feel like, at least in the beginning of my career, there's no more stories left. Every, yeah. time, you, every time you break a story on every show I've been on, when I was a young writer, I was like, well, that's it. 
He might as well close up the doors. There's nothing. There's no more stories left because it's it's like you know coming up with a story is really hard. Right. A good one, and you, every time you do it, it's a miracle, and you're like, that's it. But then there's always one more. You can always squeeze one more, and then you you know you wind up doing 22 episodes in a season, and so that's kind of what my felt my book is. Well, it's 21 episodes in a season. Can I do that on my own? How long will it take me to do it? About two and a half years, you know. Uh, and, and so that that was it. It was just like an interesting process of like, I don't know, just just growth. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. Along the way, everyone's like, well, are you going to sell this as a TV show? And I swear to God, I... I don't even want to think about that. I just don't. Mm. And I, I've been through the ringer enough. Like the minute you sell it, it's not yours. Mm. I'm very protective of this book because it's the personal stories for me. Uh, I know, I know someone's going to want to put their fingerprints on it, studio network, whoever that is. I know there would be, I, I work on plenty of, I do plenty of projects where I get ridiculous, stupid notes. Someone's got to open their freaking mouth to give a note or else how do they justify their job? I just don't want to do that. And I'm not writing it for that. I'm so protective of this because I feel like, well, I finally approached art and maybe that's, I'm blowing smoke up my own ass, but that was the intention at least. And so, uh, yeah, I don't even, I don't know if that's gonna, even on the horizon, I don't know if I want to even do that. I'm not even want to, I don't want to even go there right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I say that a lot, but I, I do find a lot of this conversation very interesting because you know, one of the things that I take away from this podcast is being able to have and a conversation with a professional writer and ask questions and get the inside look that I wish I had when I was first studying screenwriting and first yeah. trying to make this happen. And although a lot of that exists now, there are still very nuanced pieces of this part of a path of being a professional and the reality of what it's like. And the real raw and, and emotional side of this struggle of writing and being a creative that people don't talk about. And so I just want to take a quick moment and thank you for being vulnerable oh. and talking about this stuff. I think everyone listening to this agrees. It's, it's, and I've heard people say it to me, you may not get it directly or you get it and you mm -hmm. don't want to hear it. But as mm -hmm. your friend, like seriously, this is very important stuff for us to hear. And what you're talking about is that there are times when you, shouldn't be precious because you are a craftsperson. You are you right. are making a thing to sell to someone who then has ownership and could throw it in the trash if they wanted to mm -hmm. <laughs> because, yep. because they bought it. You right. cannot stop them. And to be precious about that is problematic for you and will just lead to unhappiness. Yeah. But here's this very personal project that you are being protective of. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Because this is your art. This is yeah. the thing that is you. It is you in a real vulnerable way. And so, you know, differentiate different circumstances, different perspectives. And I think a lot of people are very, yeah. very close to and protective of content that they're trying to sell and unwilling to hear and take notes on it and yeah. unprotective about the wrong things. Yeah. You know, when we were bouncing off ideas for the title for this podcast, I remember talking to Cynthia 
and I, I think she came up with it. The title was like, screenwriter, screenwriters need to hear this. And, I, and she's like, yeah, that's great. I think it might've been her idea. And she's like, that's a great idea, great title. And I go, why? <laughs> why is that a good title? She goes, because it's not what they want to hear. It's what they need to hear. Like, this is what you need to hear. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, it's just the truth. Everyone needs to hear the truth, I think. Yeah, um, I agree. And so the, the next step, the next step of all this was, um, and this is just a function of how I write, is I'm always thinking, because I'm, you know, obviously at the end, at the end of the day, I'm still a TV writer. So I'm still writing very visually. That's just my style. It's just my training. It's like always like, and so the, the, the works are really meant to be, I guess they're meant to be read aloud. They're meant to be enjoyed in a, in a group. They're not meant to, they're not, uh, they're almost mm -hmm. performance pieces, right? And so, uh, but like I said, not, not like a sitcom, because I don't want to go there, but they're meant to be, you know, that's just how I think now after doing this for 26 years. Like, I just think in terms of what's, what am I looking at when I'm each, each paragraph, what am I seeing? What am I, what are we looking at, you know? Uh, and so the, the next step is, um, is a stage reading uh, or, you know, kind of a, a performance, a, a live stage reading, which is, that's what we're in the, that's what is currently in the, in the works where hmm. I'm getting out of my comfort zone and I'm going to be reading this, but before performative, not, not like reading them, not reading them because I think that's kind of boring. I have to elevate it. It has to be. Yeah. You've done a couple live readings before. Like we have uh, on a bonus yeah. episode of the podcast, Merry Jewish Christmas. You can watch it on yep. YouTube and you can also listen to it on just the podcast audio. And this is different because as you were explaining it to me before we were recording, and I didn't know this was happening, by the way, everyone, this is uh, exciting for me mm -hmm. because you're working with two of my favorite acting coaches on yep. this. But yeah. you're, it really is a little bit more of a, you are acting out and performing some of this stuff, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I on some of the, the shows that I do, I direct sometimes, I, you know, and I get try to get, pull performances out. But now this is me, and now I'm the guy performing, and it's very hard to direct yourself. I'm very self-conscious. I'm not a trained actor, even though I, I always feel like acting and writing are the same things, and I've studied acting, and I've... You know, I know I've studied writing, but um, so this is new for me. <clears throat> so Cynthia, my wife, uh, she was uh, when I met her, she was a she was an actor on many like many shows. She you know did uh, she was recurring on Friends and Veronica's Closet and uh, all those all those shows from the '90s. I met her on Just Shoot Me when I was she was a guest star on that, and um, and so she then you know we got married, and she had kids and. We had kids, so she stopped acting. So she's been she's been directing me on this. She's been coaching me, and so we we read these stories aloud, uh, and she stops. No, nope, start over. You're mm. not emoting. You're not, you're not doing it right. You're not in the piece. Uh, the part of the part of my problem, and then Jill Sholin, who's a, who's a wonderful. She was a she was a big star back uh, back you know movie star back in the '90s. She's everywhere. Yeah, '80s and '90s. She worked a ton. Uh, and then she, so she comes over, she's an old friend and she comes over as well. And they, like last night they were over and I was reading pieces and they were, stop, go back, go back. And part of my problem, and this is, I have to get, you know, I'm working on this a lot to make this entertaining is as a writer, I always build to something. I'm trying to build to the ending, whatever we're building to, it's, I have it in my mind and how do I get there and how do I make that ending feel impactful? And so the problem is when I'm, I tend to be when I'm reading, at least sometimes until I get it right, it takes me a while to get into the piece mm -hmm. and it takes because I feel like I have to earn it, you know, and this is what they've been saying over and over again. Nope. You have to be in the piece from the first line. You yep. have to be in it. And so I'm like, okay, 
got it. And then I, you know, struggle. I, I really struggle with that. But that's so that's what's that's what I'm working on. I'm, I know I'm getting better. Um, and if you'd like, to, if anybody anybody would like to come uh, see this the stage perform uh, stage reading, uh, it'll be opening in L.A. this summer. And to get on that list, uh, you know, we'll notify you. You go to Phil. What's the URL? And MichaelJammon.com slash, slash live. live. MichaelJammon.com slash live. And then there will just be a form on that page that you can get on the list and then we'll update it and then we'll have tickets available and we'll probably you're working out where that'll be purchased right um, yeah that's what we were, we're talking about before yeah we're in we're scoping out uh we're already been checking out a couple of venues uh, it'll it'll be the first several at least will be at a small uh intimate venue and uh and then we'll just see what happens after that and then i know i'm we're also taking it we're, we're also taking it i know to boston uh either probably late in the summer and and so we'll start touring at some point. So even if you are not in LA and you're interested in attending, I'd love to see you there. Uh, and so just, you can go to michaeljammon.com slash live and just sign up and we'll notify you. And, and then you'll, I think we're, we're going to try to have something on there where you'll say what city you live in. So, yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to spam you. It's just for, it's just for the touring schedule, basically, where, wherever I, wherever I'm going to be. And um, so, so that's that if you want to come. And then for the one we're doing in LA, we are going to finish it with a, at least that one, we're going to finish it with a Q&A. So the show is probably, the whole thing will probably be about an hour and a half. And so we'll finish it with a Q&A for anybody who wants to know, you know, more about what that whole process is like and you have, you know, specific questions. I'm, I'm happy to answer those. And, um, you know, I think it'd be a fun kind of intimate evening. Yeah. Or, or yeah. afternoon. Maybe a matinee. We don't even know yet. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's, well, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, I imagine uh, your wife and Jill will be there. And I think that that's oh, yeah. a real treat for anyone uh, to meet them. I've had the yeah. pleasure of sitting in acting classes for them for, you know, months and months and months when I first moved to LA mm -hmm. just to try to do new things. You know, I have an acting agent and she encouraged that type of stuff. And yeah. it really puts me out of my comfort zone when I have to do that kind of thing. And just so people know, like the level of detail that Cynthia and Jill have, there was one moment where Jill was directing me in that acting class and then Cynthia, like I was doing something and Jill stopped me and she's something's not right. And all of a sudden Cynthia goes, why is he biting his lip? Why is he biting his lip? And just called me out. And uh -huh. that was her cue that I was holding back these emotions yeah. that I didn't want to confront. And so, I mean, I have to imagine it's going to be a great experience for anybody who wants to attend. Yeah, I hope I hope so. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, and I also think it's important just for I, I think I mentioned, but like. Actors need to study writing and writers need to study, mm -hmm. study acting and directors need to study both. And that's just how it is. Uh, you know, you got to study both. So yeah. uh, it's definitely it's, it's interesting because even as I perform these, I'm going back and I'm doing some rewriting on it. I'm like, oh, you know what? This this feels a little long or that moment didn't land. And I can tell it didn't land. It's like a table read, you know, when you do when you're reading mm -hmm. a, a script. So I actually think it's um, ultimately the pieces will will also uh, read better as well. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, well, I commend you for putting yourself out there and doing that. And mm. for anyone who's listening, this is your chance to go see Michael Jam and act. It's a big yeah. deal. I'm not nervous yet, but I will be. Yeah. There you go. So. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have any pregame rituals you're gonna do? Like uh, I know, who was it? Henry Fonda didn't he puke before every performance? Do you know what we process? were? We were talking about this last night because I need to develop them because. That's that's exactly what you know. They were explaining this to me last night, which I didn't know. I've only here's the thing: when I was a, I was a writer on a show called Out of Out of Practice, 
uh, this is a few years back, this was with Stockard Channing, great cast, Henry Winkler, uh, Paula Marshall, Ty Burrell, and Chris Gorham. Fantastic cast. This the show only went one season, it's a shame. It was a really good show. But I remember, I, I don't know, it was like, right, it was show night, and for some reason, I think uh, the showrunner, Chris Lloyd said, hey, would you bring this to the, to the actors? Or I don't remember what, why I was there. I was like, yeah, sure. So I go up to the actors before um, they were in, like, they had us like, you know, they're backstage and they're all doing a ritual. They're all, Henry, and, they're, all, and they're, they're doing a circle. And Henry Winkler, I knock on the door and he goes, Michael, come on in, please come on in. And that's how he talks, you know, join hands. And so I'm like, he invited me into their acting circle. I'm like, what, what's that about? I never even heard of such a thing. So I'm holding their hands and they had this whole ritual that they did. And it was really just to get them into it, into the piece. Mm -hmm. And then, so this is what I was talking, I was like, wow, what's that about? And then so last night they were kind of explaining to me a similar thing where it's like, at least I had trouble getting into the, some of the pieces in the beginning. I had trouble just being in it. You know, I, mm -hmm. it, take, it took some ramping up. And uh, so a lot of these acting exercises, these dumb things where the actors act all stupid and, and embarrassing and to embarrass themselves and they make noises, blah, 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 you know, all that crazy acting stuff, that's to get their guard down. That's yep. to get the embarrassment out and already, okay, now I'm embarrassed, let's begin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and that I didn't know that. So yeah, those, those well, there's also we could also talk about peak performance stuff too, which I've spent a lot of time looking at. I'm currently going through a book called um, Oh, where is it? It's by Dr. Leah Lagos, and it's about H uh, right here, Heart, Breath, Phil, Mind by Leah Lagos. Phil's the self help king. What's and what are you going to tell me about this? Yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, heart rate variability, heart HRV, and basically uh, part of her practice is a psychologist and a performance psychologist. Is she your your body reacts, your heart will actually speed up. Uh, and I can't remember the exact terminology because I just started the book, but it's like your somatic responses when you exhale, your heart rate will increase in in speed, and that mimics a lot of the things that happen when you're in a high performance environment. And through her process, you can actually train your somatic and uh, I apologize, I can't remember the other version of that. When you exhale, there's another nervous response you have so that your heart variability doesn't change. So you have these big, beautiful peaks to process your emotions and the chemical releases in your body so you're not so jarred when you're put in these positions. So, so like before I go on, I should exhale a bunch of times or something? Yeah, her, her whole process, like a 10-week ramp-up process she talks about in her oh. book. She has an app where you literally put like a heart rate variability monitor on and you get a baseline and then you go through a certain number of exercises for 40 minutes a day, you know, tw two 20-minute sessions twice a day so that at the end of the 10 weeks, you can gauge the progress you've made and you can literally track it by the way your heart moves and pumps because your body stores trauma and distress and you react a lot of the times to past triggers that your body has stored and you don't even know consciously why. And what's this book called? Hold it. let's, it's called let's Heart, it Breath, Mind. Heart, Breath, Mind. Heart, Breath, um, Mind, everyone. Yep, by Dr. Leah Lagos. Uh, really cool stuff recommended by um, a guy, Josh Waitskin, who wrote Art of Learning. He used the premise for Searching for Bobby Fischer, uh, Tai Chi Push Hands World Champion, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Champion, mm -hmm. uh, Black Belt, um, performance coach to like high-level... High um, hedge fund managers, just a fascinating guy. And uh, he had her on uh, as a guest of something he did and recommended this book. 
So, so I'm gonna have to look into maybe that that's now. something you're gonna have to do. It's yeah. been I, I super cool stuff. That. Yeah. So. All right. So there we go. Oh, one last thing before we sign off. If anybody, so I encourage you, yeah, come uh, go to michaeljammon.com slash live if you want to come see the show. But also if you just want to read a sample story from, mm-hmm. my, from my forthcoming collection of paper orchestra, you can go to michaeljammon.com slash story and just download that. And that's, as we talked about small stories, the story that I give away there is really just uh, how I, as a little boy, maybe we'll talk more about this in a different episode, but it, the story I give away is about how I was a little boy. It was a raised, the kind of, a uh, very like odd, <laughs> sensitive little boy, <laughs> and so my parents wanted to toughen me up by sending me to judo lessons, and yeah. uh, that didn't work out well for me because I was—that's not where you send me. And so that—that's like a tiny little snapshot from my life, and that's one. When we talk about small stories, that is a small story. Uh, and yeah. so, if you want to go get a sample of that, go to michaeljammon.com/story uh, and download that for free. And uh, if not, come see me at the show. And if not, we'll let you know when the book is out. Yeah. And other than that, you know, all the other normal stuff, make sure you're following Michael Jammon on his social media, Michael Jammon writer, uh, Mm -hmm. daily inspiration, daily stuff there. And then the watch list has been very, very popular. Um, So Mm. michaeljammon.com slash watch list, one email once a week, all your, all your basic top videos of the week get sent out. Uh, No, not spam, not sent, not used for anything other than that. Nope. It's all free good stuff. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope this was helpful. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Phil. All right, till next time. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jamin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time. Keep writing.